Come on, if you're good, give me a shout. I'm good. Amen. Amen. Are you guys ready for a word today? Come on, I hope you're ready because I'm ready to preach it. I already did it once. If you're not ready for it, I'll walk off the stage. I'm fine with that. I already did it. No, but but God's got a good word for us today. And I I believe that it's going to bring breakthrough in our lives. I've been praying that and believing that. And I feel like God has, has definitely spoke that. And man, I got to admit, I'm excited to be here with you today. And I'm excited to have the microphone, okay? Listen, I told my wife, I said, look, I always get the mic last. Don't forget it, right? Like, I'm telling you, man, I felt like I was on Comedy Central last week, like MTV. Now, I don't watch any of that stuff. I'm too righteous. But if I did, I can remember, I can remember back in the day they had these shows where you would get roasted, right? They would have certain celebrities up there, and they would roast the crap out of them. That's what I felt. I felt like I was getting roasted Sunday, man. I was like, praise the Lord. I was like, the Bible says. I, I preached to her when we got home, too. And don't worry, I wear the pants in the family. She slept on the couch, believe that. But when we got home, I said, honey, you're supposed to be my rear guard. You're not supposed to stab me in the back. I'm just saying. Um, but now, nah, for real though, man, I'm so proud of her. She, she really did a great job. Could you guys give her one more hand for me, please? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, she, she did an incredible job, man. God used her because God gave her a powerful word, and, and I couldn't be more proud of, of what God did through her last week. And so, man, it was, it was terrific. Um, however, I got a word for you today. And this is our 16th week in this series titled Positioned. Come on, tell your neighbor, get positioned. <clears throat> get positioned. I'm going to have you talking today. So just get used to it. Warm up to it. Embrace it. Right? Like, just embrace it. 16th, but it's the final message in this series. It's the final message, and we are titling it Positioned for Victory. Come on, say that with me. Positioned for Victory. Now look at your neighbor and say this. You were created for victory. Tell him, say, you were created for victory. Now look at your other neighbor, your obvious second choice, and tell them, even you, even even you, God even created you for victory. I'm obviously kidding. But listen, this is so important for us to get. We've got to understand we are to be positioned for victory. And and here's why we've got to catch this revelation. See, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8, it says, your adversary, the devil. Your adversary, the devil. Your enemy, his name is Satan. Your enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone, seeking someone, anyone, he doesn't care who it is, seeking someone he can devour. Listen to me, the enemy shows no partiality whatsoever. He doesn't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, your last name, your first name. Don't give a flying rip about what you've went through or what you're going through. Doesn't care. He has see, he's come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's actually crazy, right? Because it's crazy. I was doing a study in Revelation. And the reason I'm doing a study is because we're getting ready to head into a brand new series starting next week called Signs of the Times. Right? If you want to know what happens in the future according to Scripture, you need to be here for this entire next series. It's incredible what God is, is bringing forth through through the text out of, of Revelation. But anyway, I'm not going to go into much detail. You'll have to come back to hear it. But 
I will say this, that as I was going through Revelation, I seen something that I'd never seen before. And, and, and not that it was like, you know, anyway. So I seen this, the enemy attacks God's people, right? We understand that. He's our enemy, I get it. We receive Jesus. But what blew my mind away was not only did he attack the saved, he even attacked the people that was for him. He attacked those that said that they wanted to serve him. He turned on them as, as well. See, I think a lot of times what people think, right? People think, they, they get this in their mind, like, well, if I could just fly under the radar. Like, if I could just stay out of this cosmic battle, how many know that the, the battles are in the heavens? That's what it is. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We, we battle against principalities and rulers and heavenly places. That's what the Bible says, right? The heavens suffer violence and the violent take it by force. That's the Bible, right? So there is a cosmic battle happening in the cosmos constantly. And a lot of people say, well, if I can just stay away from that, maybe if I just mind my own business, the enemy will leave me alone. While others think, well, if I side with the enemy, you know, maybe I'll be partners with him and we'll be cool. But it's just not true. Your adversary, that's what Peter says. He says, oh, no, 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 don't get it twisted. Your adversary, the devil, is, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking anyone and everyone to devour. Anyone on planet earth, young or old, black or white. Right? Skinny or fat, praise the Lord. Saved or unsaved, in shape, out, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. He's coming for us. He is coming for us. The enemy doesn't care. Doesn't care. Boy, girl, rich, poor, he's coming. Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. And I've never seen this before. I've, I've read this story a million times. But I've never seen one word. One word stuck out to me, and I've never seen it. It says this, the thief comes only. Say only. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes with nothing else. He only comes to do those three things. To every person. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every color, and every creed. And listen, he's playing for keeps. Not to be confused with he's playing around. He isn't playing around. We may be playing around. We, we may think, oh, it's just fun and hugs and bubbles. And let's just, right? Like, he's not playing around. He's coming to devour our families. He's coming to devour our friends. He's coming to devour our coworkers. He's coming to steal every good thing that God has spoken over your life. And make no mistake about it, whether you're in-house or you're watching online, I don't, I don't really care. This is what the Bible says, that God has created you before the foundations of the world were formed to do good works. God created you for good. That's why he created you. So that people could see your good deeds and glorify him in heaven. That's the Bible. But see, the enemy, he's wanting to, he's wanting to stop all that. That's his mission, to destroy those good plans, to steal the prosperity that God has spoken over you. And listen, because that's his mission, he never stops. He doesn't take a nap. He don't stop to eat, don't stop for lunch. Doesn't take vacation. He's on all the time, 24-7, 365. 
He's relentless in his mission. And see, the problem with that for us is, is this. We cannot be that on all the time. We have good days, we have bad days. We got moments, we got other moments. We can't be that on all the time. We are flesh and blood. So guess what? We need to sleep. We've got to sleep. My wife said last week she loves sleep. Right? We need to sleep. We need food. Listen, I like food. I don't know about you. I like to eat. I won't apologize for it. Make no excuses about it. I'm going to eat. Because we have to eat. And I will make an argument. We need vacation. Can I get a hallelujah? Like we, <laughs> amen. We, we need vacations. Praise the Lord. But as human beings, see, we need these different things that the enemy does not need which gives him an advantage over us in our flesh, period, period. We have a, a prowling lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy our lives and the lives of those we love and the lives of those around us. And he has an advantage over us in the flesh. But you know what the good news is? The story doesn't stop there. That's not the final analysis, even though that's, that's the reality. He has an advantage over us in the flesh. But that's not the, the, the whole story. That's, this isn't the bachelor with the final rose ceremony, right? Like, this is it. No, no, no. It's, it's not it. This isn't the final message. Tell your neighbor. That's not the end of your story. Tell him. That's not the end of your story. You know, there's been so many times in my life where I found myself struggling in life. Struggling with my hurts, struggling with my mistakes, struggling with my insecurities, struggling with my faults, just struggling. So many times in my life where I've struggled with defeat. And you know, I see a ton of Christians going through the same thing. Struggling. Struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety. Just, just struggling with defeat. And so when the Lord spoke to me, right, to talk about victory, right? I could almost feel the pessimism in the air. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here we go again. The pastor's going to do it again. God only has good for us. I just, I don't know if it's God's will for us to always walk in victory. I mean, I'm going through it, right? My kids are a mess. My, my, my relationships are a wreck. My finances are a mess. Like, I, I've been through hard times, and I'm still going through hard times. I don't think I buy into all of that garbage. I can almost feel it. But see, Jesus said this. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Abundant life. He will do abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. He created you for victory. The Christian life should be a victorious life, period. And so look, you and I, we can choose a theology. Listen, we can choose theology. Okay? That's why you see so many false doctrines and people going, you know, whichever wind of doctrine that they want to go to is what the Bible says. They'll just go to where their tickling ears get what they want to hear and they will choose to follow that doctrine and that, that theology. We can choose a theology that said God created us to be miserable. Just walk through life and just struggle through and not sure if we're going to make it another day and, oh, I'm just being persecuted for the gospel. As if God wants us angry and mad. Or we can choose a theology that says the Bible says he came to give me life 
and life more abundantly. We, we, we can choose that. Now listen, that's not to be confused with easy. We weren't promised an easy life. I'm sorry. We're not promised an easy life. Matter of fact, Jesus says quite the opposite. He says, in this life, I promise you, there will be trials of many kinds, tribulations of many kinds, hurts of many kinds, failures of many kinds. But take heart, because I've overcome. He never promised an easy life, but he promised a victorious life. So that means it's... Christians, as Christ followers, we can, we can choose. We can choose to walk in victory in spite of our feelings, in spite of our surroundings, in spite of what is happening to us, because we've had a revelation that our king lives in us. Right? The Bible says we live and we move and we have our being in Christ. So we can choose to say, hey, look, man, you know what? Yeah. This, this thing that's happening, it's, it's rough. But, but, but Jesus, I choose to fix my eyes on you. As a Christ follower, I shouldn't be miserable. I shouldn't be ungrateful. I shouldn't feel defeated. I should, be, I should be excited because the undefeated one is fighting on my behalf, and he's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. Not one of them. Not a single time has he lost. If, that, if that's true which is what the Bible says, if that's true, then why do so many of us struggle so bad on so many different occasions with hurts and failures that we went through? And I really felt like the Lord showed me a couple things of the reasons we struggle with defeat in our lives as Christians. And the first is found in the book of Genesis chapter 11. And this is the story of the father of Abraham, not the story of father Abraham has many sons, many sons as father. No, but his father named Terah. Interesting, right? Because I'd never seen this before until the Lord showed it to me. Never seen it before. Read the story hundreds, hundreds of times. Now he's just got like a cameo in the Bible. You know what I mean? Like a short appearance. He, he, he comes on the scene and, and it's just real, real short. It's found in Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 26 through verse 31. And in this story, what we see is, is Terah, Abraham's dad, has three boys. Abram, later known as Abraham, Nahar, and Haran. Three sons. And it's interesting because the Bible says that they're in the land of the Chaldeans, the, the, the pagan land, pagan worship, pagan gods. They're in this pagan society. And so... Terah calls his three boys and their wives and, 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 and their, their children, so his grandchildren. He calls them together, and they're going to leave. They're taking off. They're leaving the land of Chaldeans in the city of Ur. What's the name of the city? You are. But what happens when they, they gather together, he says, he says look, we're going to head to the city, to the land of Canaan. Now, this is what struck me. Because the land of Canaan is the promised land. What we know as the promised land, Canaan. The land flowing with milk and honey. And we know this because we've read the story, hopefully. We know this, that the chapter after chapter 11, chapter 12 comes. Here God shows up to Abraham because it's his friend, counted to him as righteousness. And he says, look, I'm going to give you all these promises. You're going to have a great nation. Out of you, many descendants will come. And da-da-da-da-da-da, all this stuff. And I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. 
So Abraham receives that promise from God. But this is before the promise even comes to Abraham. I've never seen that before. Here, Terah, Abraham's dad, was getting ready to take them into the promise to walk in victory. But we know they, they obviously don't because it's not till 600 years later that Moses goes and gets them out of Egypt and he leads them and then he can't go in because they wandered 40 years of the desert and then Joshua finally leads them into the promised land. We know it because we read it. But what's wild to me is here Terah, Abraham's dad, says, hey, let's go into to Canaan. Let's get out of this pagan land. But when he does that, something tragic happens. He calls all of his family together and his son, Haran, dies. Which in the genealogy, it looks as if he's the baby. The baby boy was taken from his dad. Which would be the worst hurt any parent could ever deal with. Losing a child. We're not supposed to bury our kids. It's the other way around. And so this incredible hurt takes place in Tara's life. Finally, after some time of mourning, he gathers up his family and says, hey, we're going to go. We're still going to go to Canaan. But on the way to Canaan, he runs into a city called Haran. Interesting. Spelled the same way in my translation. Haran and Haran. Could it be on his way to his promise, on his way to walking to victory, he is triggered by the hurt of his son because he runs into a city named after his son. And it reminds him of this hurt that he experienced not too long ago. And the Bible says that he remained in Haran to the day he died, never making it to the promised land. Never making it. Because the hurt was so overwhelming, he just couldn't go any further. He just couldn't do it anymore. I'm reminded again of my son. I miss my son. And he remains in this place. Broken and hurt. Not being able to continue to walk in his victory. You know, I think a lot of times, man, our past hurts keep us from our future victory. It's so true. Our past hurts keep us from continuing to walk in the victory that God has declared over our lives. See, if we go through tragic things in this life, which we will, we will face trials and tragedies of many kinds. But take heart, because I've overcome. We will lose loved ones, right? Struggle with addiction, struggle with all these different things. Maybe we lost a promotion and we lost all these things and and all this loss is happening in our lives and this hurt that we experience from it will allow it to hold us from the victory that God called us to. Will allow it to to keep us from walking out into the promise of God. Do you know what's so true? I found this out with life. Life is about 10% of what we go through. And it's 90% of how we handle what we went through. It's about 10% because, listen to me, a lot of times we can't control what happens to us. But all the time, we can control how we walk through it. Every single time. So we can choose to look at the hurt that's been perpetrated on us from people, places, things out of our control, in our control, whatever. We can choose to allow those things to to grip us and hold us. Or we can choose to say, Jesus, yeah, I see the hurt. Lord, these hurts 
just to be honest, they suck. I don't want to go through them. This is terrible. It's hurting, and I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Because here's the thing, right? Mourning is fine. You know, the Bible gives us mourning as, as something we should do. Matter of fact, dedicated a whole book to it called Lamentations. It's all about hurt and loss and, and, and everything that, that he went through. He's just writing about it, all the hurts and the failures that he had been through in his life. It's, it's part of the process called life, mourning is. But did you know this? The Bible also says that sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? But joy comes in the morning. King David, you see him, he loses a son. What's he do? He mourns, he grieves over the death of his son. But when the morning was over, he got up, the Bible says. He washed himself, he ate, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. So important. When we go through hurt, we gotta encourage ourselves in him. See, the Bible says that we, we grieve, but we grieve like those with hope. We don't grieve like those with no hope. We grieve with the hope, the hope that God is working all things together for my good, that God is going to take what the enemy means for harm, and he's going to turn it to my good because his word said so. So, yeah, it sucks going through what I'm going through, but I believe God is going to use it for my good. I believe it. But we have to get up. Morning for a time and then get up and continue to walk in the promises of God because we trust him. God, I choose. I choose. I see it. It's not that I'm blinded. It's not that I can't see the hurt. It's not that I can't feel the hurt. I can feel all of it. But I choose to fix my eyes on you and believe your word even though I can't see it. I'm still going to believe it that you came to give me life and life more abundantly. I choose that. I refuse to allow my past hurts to keep me from my future victory. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, God's got you. God's got you. I refuse. The second thing, and the last thing we're going to talk about, in closing, 25 minutes from now, but it's the last thing. The second thing that the Lord showed me in it, this was in the story where we left off last week with Samuel and Saul. Right, we learned last week that the disobedience of Saul caused God to remove him as king. Hear me, this isn't what I want to talk about, but hear me. Our disobedience will cause us to feel defeated. It just does. It's what happens. The enemy uses it to defeat us. And so, man, we've got to be obedient to God. But that's not what I want to talk about. First Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Now the Lord said to Samuel, God is speaking to the man of God, the man who spoke on his behalf tons and tons of times, the the man who watched God do so many miracles through him and for him. Now God is calling on him. He says, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Saul is in a place of complete despair, feeling completely defeated. And do you know why he's in this place? He feels like he missed it. He feels like he missed it, that he screwed up. Man, God, I'm sorry. I thought I had it. I I thought I was doing what you told me to do. And so, man, I've let you down, God. I've let the people of Israel down because obviously they put their trust in me. And I'm the one that anointed and appointed this man as king. And now he is being removed from being king by God. Man, I missed it. 
I missed it. And now he's feeling rejected by God and by those around him. And God comes to him and says, how long are you going to grieve? How long? And I love this, starting off with the next test. He says, get up. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. He says, get up. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. Something that you have to understand that God is saying here, because oil represents the anointing of God, represents the the refreshing of the spirit of God. That's what the oil represents. So what God is saying to Samuel is really, really powerful. He says, now I want you to get up. I want you to stop grieving. Grieving's okay for a time, right? But you, you have to get up, Samuel. And remember that I have anointed you. Call back on the anointing that I have already placed on your life. Encourage yourself in me. And through you, I will, I'll do it again. How I many know we serve a God who does it again? He's a God that will do it again. He's moved the mountains once, he'll do it again. He'll keep doing it and doing it and doing it. He's incredible. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He'll always do it again. He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. It's incredible. And this is what he's saying to, to, to Samuel. He's saying, get up, get up, get up. Rely on my anointing that I've already given you. Get up and walk in the victory that I've caused you to walk in. Because I'm going to use you again. Go and appoint another king. But God, I already missed the first king. I screwed that up. I really don't want to do it again. I mean, I thought I had it right. How do I know I got it right this time? God, the enemy just pounding on him, pounding on him. I guarantee it, pounding on him. You missed it before. You'll miss it again, Samuel. God says, get up. Get up and walk in the power of my might. So Samuel, he gets up and goes and allows God to use him again. And David ends up being this incredible king. Incredible king. See, on different occasions in our lives, right, we will make mistakes. We will drop the ball. We will miss it. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, period. That's telling, hey, you're, 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 you're going to miss it. And be clear, let's be clear, the enemy will use it. Your failures against you to hold you in that place. Hear me, conviction is from the Holy Ghost. Condemnation is from the devil. And he's just trying to devour you, so don't listen to him anyway. And here's the thing, man. The enemy, through our failures, will tell us that God can never use us. That our lives are meaningless. Our lives are hopeless. You'll never, ever be used by God again because you will never feel the anointing again. You missed it the first time. God ain't going to come back a second time. Just lay there. Just remain right there but see God says something completely different he says get up I've already anointed you I've I've already appointed you for such a time as this get up keep moving forward and keep going I want you to think about the apostle Paul just for a moment really quickly here so the apostle Paul the artist formerly known as Saul right now he's Paul some of you got it But this man, B.C., before Christ, was killing Christians. 
persecuting Christians, anyone who followed Jesus, believed in what they called back then the way, right? Anyone who was on the way to Christ, right? That's what they called it, the way. Anyone who was doing that, he beat them, he stoned them, he killed them, he imprisoned them. And I'm telling you, so the Bible says that Paul asked God, God, there's been a messenger from Satan that's come to me and put a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan that is tormenting me. If you don't think that messenger from Satan was telling him how worthless he was, how useless he was, how meaningless his life is now because he already killed all of God's people. So God wouldn't use you anyway. Look how, how terrible you are. That's exactly what he was doing. But Paul, having a revelation of the grace of God, his grace is brand new every morning. It's incredible. He has a revelation of the grace of God. And he makes this statement. He says, yeah, I'm, I am the least of all the apostles because I did persecute the church of God at one time. But he says, it's for the grace of God that I go. But for the grace of God, I am who I am because of God's grace. And he says, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I'm not perfected yet. And I love this. But one thing I do do, I forget what lies behind me. I forget that garbage of what I once did. I forget what lies behind me and I press forward to the high call that I have in Christ heavenward. I press through all of my failures, leaving them behind and walking towards the cross of Jesus Christ. Walking in the victory that he has declared over me. He says, I choose to walk in victory, not be held by my past mistakes. And look, I really feel like this morning, man, there's a ton of us here that need to hear this, that you need to get up, get up, because God has called you to something so much greater. You, you, you don't have to hold on to that crap. You can let it all go and head towards the cross. Listen, morning is good. I'll say it again. Jesus says it this way to his disciples, right? The be attitudes, how to be if you want to have the attitude of a Christ follower. That's what he's talking about. He said, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. He's talking about mourning over sin. So it's fine to mourn over our sin, but then it has to transition and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That once I did that once, but now, man, I've been made white as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. We have to allow God to take our mourning into dancing, our addictions into freedoms, our frustrations into blessings, our depression into gratitude. We have to allow him to take our fear and turn it into faith. We can't allow our past mistakes keep us from our, view, our future victory. We can't do it. Come on and stand to your feet, please. The enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing that God has for you. And he will use your past hurts and your failures to keep you from your future victory. I promise you that. But God says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And he desires for us to walk in victory. And so he gave his, 
gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would perish, they would have everlasting life if they believed in him. He gave us Jesus so we don't have to walk in bondage, being held by them. Listen to me, man, I'm, I'm a person who I've done a lot of things in my life. I've experienced a lot of hurt in my life. I've experienced a lot of failures in my life, a ton of them. And to be real transparent, I'll try to keep it together for you this morning. I cried the first service. Praise God. I'm going to try to keep it together. But there are multiple Sundays out of a year I will be in my back office on the floor crying before God. God, I don't, I don't deserve to do this. God, I got such a bad past. I've had so many people say this and that and do this and do this to me. God, I just... Maybe I'll just lay here and just stay right here on my face before you. Because I do want to serve you. I don't ever want to go back. But, but God, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe call somebody else to do this, not me. I've, I've screwed up too many times in my life. Do you know every single time he says, get up. Get up. Because a righteous man falls seven times. But every time they get right back up. It's not about perfection. It's about our progression, understanding that Jesus paid it all. We don't have to pay it. He already paid it. So if we walk in him, we walk in the victory that he has for us. Get up. I've already anointed you and appointed you. Now go preach. So every time I preach the word of God, it's me walking in victory. Because I will not allow the enemy to steal another moment of my life. He gets no more. Did you know the Bible says this? That he will make, that God will make the canker worm, the enemy, make the enemy, pay back a hundredfold of what he's stolen from you. A hundredfold. I want it all. I don't want 90, I don't want 70. I want 120. Give me everything you've taken, to, taken from me. The years of my life. Give them all back. See, the enemy has come to, to come after us kill us, to discourage us, to keep us. But see, see, the Bible says this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I may be at a disadvantage in the flesh, but in the spirit, he's no match for Jesus. None. None. See, the Bible says that we are afflicted in every single way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. That we're persecuted but not forsaken. Did you know God will never leave you nor forsake you? No matter what. We are struck down, but not destroyed. <laughs> Get up. Get up. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. None. We walk in the victory that Christ has for us. The enemy can do nothing against us. The Bible says if God is for us, no one can stand against us. No one can stop us. So enemy, you can throw all your tricks. You can do all that. But for me in my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna walk with him. I'm gonna trust him. Because thanks be to God, he leads me in triumphal procession over the enemy 
every single time. Man, I'm telling you, I really felt like this morning that some of us need to let it go. Amen. We need some Elsa in our life. Let it go. Let it go. We even need a little T-Swift and shake it off. Get it off. I'm done with that. I'm not being held by that hurt. I'm not being held by that failure. I'm done. Because the Lord said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. He's casted our failures and our hurts as far as the east is from the west. And the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up before us again. Never. Completely clean. And so I pray that this morning, man, I pray that the Lord has touched you today and encouraged you that the hurts you have went through in your life, they're not in vain. God is going to use them for your good and his glory. He's not going to let it go in vain. And you don't have to let it hold you there. And your failures, they're gone in Jesus' name. Once you've repented, they're finished. They have no more authority. Let him give you life and life more abundantly. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would encourage each and every one of our hearts this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us by your spirit, not to allow our hurts to hold us from our future victory, God. That you wouldn't allow us to remain in our failures, but rather we could hear you loud and clear saying, get up. Get up and come and follow me. Lord, I pray for all those who are here this morning who are heavy laden and burdened. I pray that they would come to you because they will find rest for their souls. Let your spirit fall on your people, Jesus. I pray everyone would walk out of this place excited about the victory that Christ has called them in. I pray that, Lord. I pray a revelation would take place in all of our hearts about this victory that you have declared over us. In Jesus' name, amen.